Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Technologies Inc. third quarter 2021 earnings conference call. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Instructions will be provided at the time for you to queue up for a question. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star zero for the operator assistance at any time. I would now like to remind everyone that this call is being recorded on November 11, 2021. I'll now turn the call over to Mr. Daniel Kim, is Executive Vice President, Corporate Development of Balin Technologies. Please go ahead. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning for the third quarter 2021 earnings conference call for Balin Technologies. Joining us this morning is Layton Carroll, our CEO, and Cliff Berry, our VP Finance and Acting CFO. We will all be available for questions at the end of the presentation. Before we begin, let me make it clear that our comments today may include forward-looking statements and information and answers to questions that could imply future expectations about the prospects and financial performance of the business for the remainder of 2021 and into 2022, and could include the use of non-GAAP measures. These statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. Accordingly, actual performance could differ materially from statements made or information provided today, so you should not place undue reliance on them. We also do not intend to update forward-looking statements or information except as required by law. I ask that you read our legal disclaimers and explanation of the use of non-GAAP measures and refer you to the risks and assumptions outlined in our public disclosures, in particular the sections entitled forward-looking statements and risk factors in our annual information form for the year ended December 31, 2020, and our filings which are available on CDAR. Q3 2021 results were released yesterday after market close. The press release, financial statements, as well as the MD&A are available on CDAR and on our website at balintech.com. I would now like to turn the call over to Lee. Thank you, Daniel. First of all, I'd like to take a moment to recognize that today is Remembrance Day. Balin is a proud Canadian company, and I would like to take a moment to thank the veterans who have served this great country. The third quarter saw several important developments. First, we closed the first tranche of our private placement. Secondly, we made significant strides in several areas of our business. During the quarter, we raised $10 million from the sale of 11.765 million common shares at $0.85 cents per share. This is a demonstration of our major shareholders' commitment to our business, specifically a company whose investment decisions are made by Jeffrey, Jeff Royer, the chairman of our board of directors, purchased 98.7% of the shares in the private placement. As agreed with our principal lenders, the net proceeds are available to be used in the business without restriction and will be available to fund both operation and capital as required, as well as for debt service. The second tranche of the private placements was completed on October 21st and raised an additional $5 million. The second tranche of 5.46 million shares was primarily purchased by the same company whose investment uh, decisions are made by Mr. Royer. The remaining 422.8 thousand shares were purchased by other insiders, including myself. The third quarter showed signs, uh, signs of the potential of our business.
while Arista remains and will be an ongoing challenge for us, we made significant headway in a number of areas. We will provide additional detail later in the pre presentation, but I would like to highlight the following. First, revenue was $30.2 million, an increase of $8.6 million, or 39.7% over Q2, with an increase seen across all business units. Secondly, net cash from operations increased by almost $1 million since the end of the second quarter. Third, we had two months of positive adjusted EBITDA, specifically in August and September. Finally, our backlog is at record highs for our business uh, and has grown in the time that I've been here. Cliff Gary, our VP of Finance, will now comment on second quarter results. Thank you, Leighton. As, as Leighton mentioned, revenue was $30.2 million in the third quarter of 2021, an increase of $8.8 .8 million, or 39.7% over the previous quarter, with increased revenue across all business lines despite experiencing supply-side disruptions. However, in comparison to the third quarter of 2020, there was a decline of 6.4 million, or 17.4%, due mainly to lower sales in Asia-Pacific, which had been inflated in Q3 2020 due to the recovery of pent-up demand in smartphone sales from the reopening of commercial cellular stores across North America and Europe. Secondly, lower sales in SATCOM, in part due to supply challenges, which were accompanied by continued growth in order backlog. Gross margin was 20.8% in the third quarter compared to 28.4% in the corresponding quarter in 2020, being negatively impacted by the continued sale of the consumer product by Asia Pacific. It should be noted that the loss on this business was reduced significantly from a loss of $2 million in the second quarter of 2021 to a loss of $0.3 million in the third quarter. Operating expenses in the second quarter were $10.2 million compared to $11.1 million in the second quarter of 2020. The reduction reflects lower salaries and benefits due to headcount reductions and lower development costs as part of our cost reduction measures, as well as lower one-time EBITDA adjustment costs. The company's operating loss in the third quarter was $3.9 million, compared to a loss of $0.8 million in the third quarter of 2020. This was due mainly to lower revenue and gross margin, which were higher in the prior period due to the recovery in cell phone sales previously discussed and partially offset by lower operating expenses. Net cash at 30 September 2021 increased by $5.9 million from December 31, 2020 primarily due to a drawdown of the Vietnam loan, proceeds from the exercise of common share warrants issued in December 2020, proceeds from the private placement on September 1st, and a decrease in non-cash working capital. Net cash generated from operating activities was $0.9 million in the third quarter due to improved operating performance and cash management. This compares to a net cash used in operating activities of $2.8 million in the second quarter of 2021. Our cash conversion cycle improved to 38 days from 60 days at the end of the prior quarter. Capital expenditures were $0.2 million in the third quarter with aggregate expenditures to September 30 of $0.7 million. The company continues to monitor its capital spending closely in an effort to conserve cash. 
Finally, I'd like to update you on the situation with our, customer, with our consumer product program in Asia Pacific. We previously reported a loss on this product of $4 million year-to-date at the end of the second quarter of 2021. Although we continue production of this product, it is at declining volumes as the program is wound down and expected to end in the first half of 2022, and a second supplier has been contracted by the customer. In the third quarter, we incurred a relatively small loss of 0.3 million, primarily related to quality issues in inventory. We substantially improved the economics of this product in mid-August, from which time we ceased to lose money on the product and do not expect any future further losses. I'll now turn the call back to Leighton. Thank you, Cliff. We saw several promising developments during the third quarter, notably achieving positive adjusted EBITDA in August and September, the first two months of the year. Generating $1 million in net cash from operations, and finally we grew our order backlog to the highest levels in our history. In Q3 alone, we increased our, our order backlog by nearly 18%. Before I get into business-specific results, I would like to thank the employees of Balin for their hard work. The level of buy-in and engagement I've experienced with our people is heartening. Part of this journey is implementing a data-driven, transparent culture internally. This will allow us to identify and resolve issues more quickly, work collectively to solve, uh, solve problems and improve margins, while we simultaneously improve our go-to-market strategy. Additionally, the new focus on the commercial aspects of our business, meaning driving revenue growth through further customer and market penetration, has already started to deliver early signs of, of movement. We cannot cost-cut our way to success. We need to leverage the quality of our people and our products and our engineering to address and solve customer needs. That is a journey, but I am pleased with our first chapter. Nevertheless, the business continues to be challenged by the COVID-19 pandemic, which continues to affect all of our business lines in various ways. Supply chain challenges continue and affect both our suppliers and our customers. We expect this will continue for the balance of 2021 and well into 2022. Now I'd like to speak about the individual businesses and the work we have going on within each. The commercial side of our SACCOM business continues to work through the effects of supply chain issues through the pandemic. Although there are signs of recovery, we expect capital spending by our commercial customers will remain constrained for the remainder of 2021 until a more sustained recovery becomes evident. Similarly, the recently completed C-band spectrum auction in the United States will eventually provide opportunities that, uh, with the satellite operators once they've received their incentive payments based on clearing their C-band spectrum. For that reason, the major benefits to the SACCOM business line from the build-out of related infrastructure to the C-band is not expected to begin to be realized until at the earliest well into 2022. The military and other government-related satellite sales, which represent the balance of the SATCOM business, are expected to remain firm through the rest of the year. Although we experienced a delay in the initial launch of our ultra-high-power Summit 2 solid-state amplifier product line, the launch of the Summit 2 demonstrated a unique competitive differentiation for our business. The first deliveries of the Summit 2 uh, solid state power amplifier line took place in June and were completed in July of this year. We have further opportunity for additional orders and further delivery potential in 2022 with this product set. Overall, we expect 
revenue of the SATCOM business to be stronger in the second half of 2021 as customers begin to invest as the world comes out of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic while we continue to actively manage our supply chain risk. In Asia, we made substantial improvements across a number of fronts, including obviously the aforementioned economics of the consumer product, which has severely impacted the business in the first half of the year. We have stopped further losses effectively in August and do not see any further negative impacts to our business. Moreover, we have, and importantly, we have maintained a very positive relationship with that specific customer, allowing our Asia business not just to move from the product gracefully, but to actually win and achieve new business that is line of sight well into 2022. Our MMU factory continues to experience delays and, uh, and the, with the commissioning and overall approval of the facility due to COVID, uh, in part due to COVID. Um, over the course of the lengthy delays, our customer sales of this product have softened significantly. This has led to a lower forecast with the, by that customer through mid-year 2022, as well as a full redesign of the product by which the customer reduced complexity and, uh, and their cost structure, moving to uh, lower uh, price products and less comp complex products. At this time, we do not foresee the facility to be production ready at any time in the next six months. In light of market conditions and the changes uh, to the product design, we are actively assessing the long-term strategic options for this facility and expect to have decisions made by, by early 2022. The wireless infrastructure business continues to uh, be adversely affected by delays uh, in, in building wireless and, and other parts of the ecosystem in large part due to COVID. We've also seen increases in freight costs and raw materials uh, due to supply chain constraints. Despite these headwinds, the infrastructure team delivered solid, albeit on-plan performance in the quarter. Additionally, the long-anticipated final improvement from Verizon for our small cell antennas has been achieved. While we expect a lengthy sales cycle, we now have the ability to sell Verizon-approved technologies uh, to their market networking. Additionally, we've been making progress across a number of other carriers in North America as we improve our business development capabilities. The embedded antenna business line continues to be very stable performance despite chipset shortages, which really impact our customers and thereby impact us collaterally. Um, we continue to show significant increase in both revenue and backlog simultaneously within the, within the third quarter. This is expected to continue through the rest of the year based on the availability of chipsets. In closing, I did want to reiterate, obviously, the challenges in global supply chain are very real. We will continue to proactively monitor and manage our supply chain just as we have in this past quarter. I would also like to thank the people of this company and our business. Honestly, I am thrilled with the level of buying and engagement, the sense of urgency shown by the employees of this company and, and their, uh, their buy-in on the philosophies that uh, we are trying to instill throughout our company. Together, we are working to drive a cultural change with a focus on data-driven decision-making tied to proper customer-focused problem-solving that will positively impact our operations and, the trajectory in the, and our trajectory in the long term. That is not a sprint, it's a journey, and we have a lot more to work on. That concludes our formal remarks. Operator, please open up the call for questions. Thank you.
Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will then hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order that they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by the two. And if you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment, please, for your first question. And your first question does come from Daniel Rosenberg from Par Paradigm. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, my first question was around uh, the financials. Uh, I saw in your release that there was um, the covenants. Uh, you renegotiated some covenants favorably uh, that extend to Q3 and Q4. I'm just wondering if you could provide some an update or any color around um, how you see uh, the covenant situation as we look towards 2022. Um, what kind of options are you looking at? Sure. Hey, Daniel. Good question. So uh, when we were coming, when I was coming into the business, and uh, we were putting working with our lenders uh, coming out of Q2, uh, we renegotiated a covenant structure. Um, that uh, was, would be based on uh, effectively going forward, look at the company, and with a view of commitments made by our investors. Um, we are very comfortable with covenant compliance in Q3 and Q4. Um, our term note becomes due uh, in early 2022. We are having productive conversations with our primary lenders. We are also having discussions with uh, additional third parties. Uh, the thing that I have personally been heartened by is that we, we have met with a number of folks, particularly here in Toronto, and we have had, uh, because of the story of the company, in part because of our early results, in part because of the potential of this business, we have seen a lot of interest uh, from the lending community. That is, uh, that is work that is ongoing. And so I can't. I don't want to speculate about how that will turn out, but is being actively managed, and I am confident we are going in a good direction. Okay, good to hear. Um, next, uh, just turning to the backlog. Uh, so you mentioned it being at uh, record levels, but at the same time you're managing, you know, supply chain issues and COVID-related issues. I was just wondering if you could kind of characterize the backlog. Uh, increase, whether it's coming from, or maybe I should say how the backlog should ramp into revenue, um, whether it's coming from just delayed demand, increased demand, or just, you know, supply chain issues that are leading to orders not being able to be placed within uh, earlier time periods. Yeah, no, com uh, good, good question. So, the, you know, the way I think of our business, you know, four kind of major product areas or business lines. Um, Asia-Pacific, as an example, um, is a very fast-turn business. So the backlog in that business, what you, what you prefer is someone like me is a very steady number because it, it is indicative of your relationship with your primary customers. In that case, our APAC backlog has been very stable and robust, which is good, particularly given the cycle that we just have finished and lived through, and it speaks to where we're going in our business, that we have stability, which is which is important. Um, infrastructure, similarly, is a relatively fast turn backlog business. The sales cycles can be long, but for the customer 
segments where we have really good relationships, what you see is a pretty consistent set of number uh, in that space. And even then, that has grown uh, a little bit as we've gotten into, into Q4. Uh, I'd like to see it grow more, but we are making good progress there. The two places where we have seen the, the backlog growth itself are interesting in that um, both of them are the one interesting in a couple ways, right? So one, they are interesting in that our SACCOM business and our embedded business both have seen growth, both have dependencies on supply chain, both have customers who have significant supply chain dependencies. However, both are experienced increased demand, right? So we have seen, and you know, if you see growing revenue in those businesses, and embedded certainly is the poster child for this. Embedded, we are getting growing revenue in that business line. And effectively, the backlog is simultaneously growing. Yes, there are chips that shortages, but I'd actually like to just give credit to our VP of manufacturing and our team in China who are managing our supplier base. They have been very proactive, and we've had pull-ins and push-out of product because of issues in the broader ecosystem, and yet we're continuing to deliver revenue and grow revenue while growing, while the North American side is engineering product and growing our backlog. To me, that says we're managing in a challenging situation. We continue to deliver revenue, but the demand is also increased for that line of business. Similarly, SACCOM, we are seeing a growth month over month in backlog. A focus for us will be how do we improve that throughput and what can we do as we manage our supply chain to improve that throughput of that backlog. So the conversion cycle of that backlog is, a, is an area of focus for the business going forward. It is absolutely supply chain constrained and our customers know that as well. Um, and they are equally as impacted. So it, it's, it's, it's a good situation. I'd like our supply chains to get to more normal levels. Uh, but if your backlog is, is that strong and you're delivering consistent revenue, that, that would infer that you're having increased demand, which is what we're seeing. Daniel, I would add to that, uh, if you look at some of our competitors who have reported recently, uh, what, what Leighton just suggested really echoes uh, what we're seeing as well. They're seeing a significant increase in demand across the board. Uh, their backlog has also likewise gone up a strong double digits. So, this is really an industry phenomenon going right now within the infrastructure space where there's a lot of investment going in, particularly in North America. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, and then just turning to uh, the cost profile, so you guys made some progress in controlling costs and uh, just, uh, and it was nice to see cash flow from operations, uh, you know, turn positive and, uh, so just trying to understand what the cadence is in the near term. I understand there's a lot of moving parts here, but um, you know, it, are we going to see uh, lumpiness in that cash flow from operations line, um, or do you expect to be able to maintain kind of your cost profile in face of this growth that you just spoke about? Um, so Daniel, it's clear. So we we do we do expect. Um, some outflow in cash that's that in the fourth quarter largely related to working capital. Um, but in terms of the actual operations, it should be fairly consistent with what we saw in the third quarter. Yeah, if I can build on that, um, there has been, it has been 
and continues to be a very significant cost focus in the company. One of the, one of the components of that is not just cost cutting, but there's, with the attention to detail I mentioned and being data driven, you identify issues and those issues in, in many cases will lead to better cost containment and or margin opportunity. And that's what also further helps drive cash and use of cash in the business. Um, so we are, we are actively managing it, but I'd like to say we're actively managing not just by, by cutting and containing, but by analyzing and making smart decisions as we see the business unfold in front of us to maximize the value. Great. Thanks for taking my questions. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one. There are no further questions at this time. Mr. Kim, you may proceed. So this isn't Mr. Kim, this is Mr. Carroll, but uh, I, first of all, um, I'd like to just thank everyone for attending the call. I'd like to thank the Balin team for a uh, chapter one, which was a good start. We have a lot more to work on. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to see what we can do. Um, you know, as I shared on the prior call, I, I came here because I knew of this company previously, and it always has a reputation for good engineering and good product and good people. We have a lot of work to do, but we have a good future in front of us, and I'm excited to uh, continue this journey. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you very much for participating and ask that you please disconnect your line. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.